Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you know it is my absolute delight, and I know I say this every week, but every week I'm so excited when I get to interview such amazing guests, and today is no different. So I'd like to welcome Darren Martin, the culture architect, keynote speaker, and executive coach. Darren shows companies how to architect a true company of owners by creating a culture that engages and energizes and empowers people to act like owners. We're going to talk about that. He advises, speaks, and writes about company culture, limitless leadership, customer service, sales, and other performance topics. And it is my absolute honor to welcome Dr. Darren Martin to the show today. Casey! I'm so excited to be here I'm with so you. I came all the way from New Orleans I know. to hang out with you in studio. You know what? This. I kept asking Alexandra yesterday, Alexandra, who's part of our production team, I can't do this without her. Um, and you've talked to her quite a bit too as we've moved sure. to this moment. But I was like, are you sure he's coming in person? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a long way to go. I so, made it. I yeah. am so glad you're here. I thoroughly enjoyed you speaking at Success North Dallas in April. It was amazing. And I've heard so many positive comments from our members and from our community. I mean, you just really poured into them. Mm. It was it was awesome. And having a lot of old friends and making some new ones at that. I mean, what an event. The thing's been going for <laughs> 152 <laughs> years, right? Or, I mean, it's been it going for like a while. Almost 35 years. And you're running the thing now. I you took am. over from the great Bill Wallace, and look at you. Look it's, at you going. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but I love that I get to pour into others on such a, a bigger scale now. Sure. And it's not, I mean, you can do a lot one on one, as you know. But when you can reach that bigger scale, that bigger audience, you get to have a bigger impact. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, that's that's what it's all about. Ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about you and why you're so fabulous. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> There's no pressure to that. <laughs> Uh, so I have uh, spent the bulk of my adult years basically going in and out of companies, everything from mom and pops to Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies, and helping them be better, do better, perform better, get better results. Uh, you know as well as I do that companies that can get, for example, the culture piece right yes. can outperform every other company. And I'm going to, you know... In terms of what I do, I'm going to give a very strategic answer to that that I would not normally give. But you're an executive recruiter. Yes. So I'm going to make this super easy. Okay. I help create companies that make your job easier. Oh, yeah. Because yes. you know when you say, Amen. hey, I want you to go to this company, and they start calling their friends, and they're like, eh, 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 no. Uh, and they go, and they look on Glassdoor or whatever other thing of choice, right? Yes. And they start getting all this negative press. They don't want to go there, but you know, the exceptions to that, when you've got a company that people just the sound of the name, 
they know them by reputation. They know them by their friends who said, you've got a chance to work at XYZ. So that's my sole existence is to make your job easier, Casey. I love you even more now because, and let me tell you, we're a little different at VIP because we choose the companies that we will work of for. Of course. Where a lot of them will say, you need a body, we'll get you one. Yeah. And we don't do that because my motto is, if I wouldn't work for that company, I'm not going to ask anybody Good else to. Good for you. Good for so you. It's, yeah. It's really important to us that we find that culture fit and that we find that, you know, it's it's got to mesh on all levels, sure. not just the skill set. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's got to be a magical kind of experience when you're able to match make at that level, because next to a personal relationship, significant other, all of that, what's more important than where you spend the bulk of your time exactly. every week? And when you're able to do that with, uh, you know, veracity and do that in a way that they call you, you know, later and go, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so on both counts, right? Yeah. That the company's pleased, the person's pleased. And yeah. a lot of that just has to do with company culture. I, I, I know they say to somebody who's good with a hammer, everything's a nail. Well, everything to me boils down to that. But there's a lot of research and a lot of uh, anecdotal information, et cetera, that really supports that that the air you breathe when you walk in a company makes the difference between whether people want to stay or they're looking for the next uh, exit. You know, I, I want to point something out because I think too, sometimes people getting so used, they think that that toxic culture, that bad culture is the norm, that when they walk into a good culture, they don't know how to handle it. Yeah. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's the old frog in the kettle thing that, you know, keep turning yeah. up the heat and before you know it, they're boiled, they don't even know what's happening. Because they stay, they take abnormality, dysfunction yes. as, oh, well, this is normal. This is what everybody deals with. Or they talk to other people that are in bad cultures and those folks say, well, what are you griping about that? You know, that happens in my company too. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, what's the statistics say? Only 16% of executives say their culture is where it needs to be. So that means it's not getting as much attention as it should. And what's that producing from a result standpoint is the fact that 85% of people say they either hate their job, strongly dislike their job. The global, it's gone up just a tad, you know, coming out of COVID, 15% mm -hmm. in employee engagement rate, highly engaged employees around the globe, 15%. That's ridiculous. I mean, that's, you know, in America, it's 29%, which is not... That's like a three-legged stool with only one leg, you know, a six-string guitar with two strings. I mean, I could go on and on. Take anything, divide by three, you know? Right, right. Uh, and that, that's just, that's abysmal. It shouldn't be that way. No, it absolutely shouldn't be that way. And I, you know, I talk about it all the time on this podcast. I count myself so fortunate to have dumb lucked into a company that has such a fabulous culture. Yeah. And I try to look, and I keep telling, somebody needs to do a case study on VIP. I'm not even kidding to see what they're doing right. Because we have new people that come in and we've got very little turnover. Very, I, I mm. can't think of anybody that's left in the last Ding, four years. One sign of a great culture, little mm -hmm. turnover. Yeah, no, little to no turnover. And even to the point where if we just had this happen, we had one of our employees that was moving out of state, rather than let them go, they're like, you just work remote. <laughs> 
yeah. and we've got two. Take the job with you. Yeah, yeah, we've got two that are working. We've got one in Colorado, and he just moved to Missouri. Sure. Um, so it's, you know, that's how much we value our employees. Yeah. Unfortunately, we, we live in a world where that's possible, for <laughs> especially for a job like that where you're on the phone the bulk of the time and, you know, dealing with people and, exactly. and et cetera. So that, that's brilliant. But I have people that come into the company, new people that come in because we're growing like crazy, and they're like, am I going to get in trouble if I leave early? And I'm like, mm. no. Yeah. If you're doing your job, nobody cares yeah. when you do it. We've got one girl that works from like 8 o'clock at night till 8 o'clock in the morning. That's her, that's her genius zone. And I, I think that's the new, the bold new world, as I call it, of yeah. work. One of those characteristics is flexibility. Work around people's peak times. Yeah. Because I'm... Man, I'd rather get there super early, but by two, three, maybe not two, but three or four, I'm fried, right? So I'd rather come in at six and work till three and be done. Yes. Other people are, are burning the candle at both ends. They like the midnight oil. You know, they want to go from eight to eight, and that's when they're they're most productive. My son was telling me the other day, you know, I get the most stuff done at nighttime. I'm, that's when I'm most functional. So why would you not, if the job permits it, want to build around their key productivity versus trying to force them into some kind of artificial box it goes back to the industrial revolution and is no longer valid in it's, 2023 we gotta let it go yeah we have one client no names shall be mentioned but i mean like covid changed the way even we show up the way we dress at work right we, I mean, you've heard of the Zoom suit, right? Yeah, Zoom suit. <laughs> People have gotten in trouble for that. They have, but I've gotten on to candidates before. Because yeah. I'm, cause here's what I do when I coach them for their Zooms. If we're Zooming, I'm like, stand up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and if I see shorts or boxers, I'm like, that's not going to work. Yeah, this is going to fly. Yeah. <laughs> because you never know. Yeah. You never know when you're interviewing if a kid cries and you're, you're going to have to get up in the middle of that interview. Yeah. So you need to have pants on. Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. yeah that's... So. Rule um, of thumb number one, have yeah, pants have on. pants on. Yeah, okay. Stand up. Let's see if you got pants. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm getting it. Doesn't it? He's got pants I on. I do Yay! have pants on. Yay, I passed the test. <laughs> no Zoom suit for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, I think that COVID's really changed the way that we do things. And there are some of those companies that have been in business for a long time that are still like requiring suits and ties every day in the office. Yeah. And as a recruiter, as soon as I tell a candidate that, they're like, no, thanks. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. Because it says something to them about the company and what, what era they're stuck in. Exactly. And I call it, you know, it probably should be old personism, but quite frankly, I call it old manism where, you know, when we were going into COVID, I had a radio interviews, guy called me up and, and uh, said, you know, it was straight out of his mouth. The very first question was, well, all I want to know, they're talking about people working from home. How are we going to know they're working if the bosses aren't there to keep an eye on them? And I'm thinking... I don't know what kind of galaxy you live in, and but A, if the quote boss, which I don't even like that term, right. has to be there to keep an eye on them or they don't work, you've got a bigger problem. Exactly. You know, the company, you've got hired the wrong people, the people are not invested. Yes. That's the that's the problem. That That's just a simple symptom. But, you know, we live in a gig economy. We live in a world where people are companies of one and as a company, you've got to create a scenario where they can shine, they can thrive, and they will give you the moon. Uh, if they're not performing at that level, you got to take a close look at your your company and say, what are we what are we doing that's disincentivizing? Because it's in our spirit. It's natural 
Edwards Dimming, way back guy that changed uh, manufacturing in, in Japan and then ultimately in the U.S., said nobody goes to work to do a bad job. And I believe that. People want to go. They want to thrive. They want to shine. And unfortunately, a lot of the settings they walk into don't permit that. And I would agree with you most of the time. I saw a video on TikTok the other day that I was just like, and, and I'm not on TikTok, but I, it feeds to YouTube. Don't apologize for being on TikTok. I'm That's not on fine. TikTok. Yeah. It feeds to YouTube. That's yeah. where I saw yeah, it. Yeah, I gotcha. Um, and so, and it was this girl that talked, she was talking about how it, she was just appalled that she had to have a job. And she's like, you asked me what my dream job is. And my dream job is I don't have a job. And why do I have to pay for food? And so I do think there are some, because you've heard about this quiet quitting, this loud quitting, all this stuff. Yeah. I think there's a very small minority that give a bad name to the other people that actually do do the work. Sure. And that strive to do the work. Like me, I would do anything for my company to make sure it's successful. And yes. I don't own the company. Yes. There's a lot there, I know. Yeah, there is a lot there. <laughs> and and the, the lot is that we... You know, we have drained and and created a work environment where people show up for one reason, get a paycheck, mm -hmm. check out. And what's happened over time is they've come to this place of entitlement. And some people are just naturally there. They've always been there. I mean, you know, there yeah. were people in the 30s that were, you know, didn't want to work and were entitled. But that wasn't the majority. But over time, they watched their fathers and mothers and their grandparents and all get cut from the company two years for their pension after 48 years, you know, goes into effect or they don't get the gold watch anymore. They're thrown out on their ear or whatever. And at some point they, they said, okay, well, I'm not, I'm going to stop investing. Well, when you stop investing in something, then you get to that place of, I just don't care. And now we've got a whole generation that has been raised in a very dysfunctional manner. Yes. And that's, a little difficult to start to reverse to say work is meaningful work has value work is something that uh, you can be proud of and get excited about uh, when we've spent a lot of time reinforcing inadvertently a different message oh, that's so sad yeah that's really sad let's fix it let's fix it yeah okay so tell me in your opinion because you're the expert what does a good culture look like what is a good culture what makes so let me define culture real quick first. Okay. It is the the attitudes, the thoughts, the feelings, the words people use about the company and the behaviors they produce. Okay. So we look at behaviors and we focus on behaviors. People aren't engaged. They need to be engaged. We put up posters. Be engaged. Everyone should be engaged. Great. But what we're missing is that that's a trailing indicator. That's, that's proof of what's happening, right? So, for example, people don't speak up in meetings. Uh, people don't bring ideas. They don't share, uh, you know, in the direction of the company. Well, then you look and if the company has, for example, a culture of fear, uh, that's an example where they go, I'm not going to speak up in meetings. But the behaviors are actually, you know, an indication of, of the culture there. I had a guy that was a top salesperson for an international clothesline. He went to the executives at their company meeting, top salesperson in the world, stores in Rome and all over the place, and said, I've got some ideas I think could help our company and help make us better and make more money. You know what they said? No, thanks. Eh. Yeah, we got it. Thank you. You know what he did? Quick quit. Oh, my gosh. Of course he did. And he, he went did. to a company where they would listen to him. So, you know, culture is very much about 
the combination of people being excited about the company and feeling and having the actual opportunity to thrive in for themselves. People say, well, how do you get a company where, like my book, how do you get a company where people act like owners? How do you get people to act like owners? Treat them like owners. But I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard they don't listen, they're not interested, they don't want to have hear anything I say, so I just show up and do, you know, the chicken scratch I'm supposed to do and I go home. That is so interesting. I mean, I'm sorry, but everything you're saying, I'm like, oh my gosh, VIP's got it right. Yes, you know? yes. And I would encourage you to have a conversation with our managing partner, Mike Haynes, because okay. I think there, there's some really good synergy there, but you know. I think I've met Mike Haynes. Maybe. You probably met him at yeah. the meeting, yeah. but I, I would encourage a one-on-one -on -one conversation there. But it's just like, nobody, like I'm hardly in the office and because I'm doing so many other things and still recruiting, but a lot of other things pulling my attention away and nobody ever, I mean, they're just like, go do this Casey. And it's just like with the podcast, they were like, you know, I brought the podcast idea up to them and I mean, we're a recruiting agency, right? Yeah. And they were like, blessings, we'll pay for it. Go do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the kind of culture we're in. They're like, if you have an idea, bring it to us. And if we can, we'll help you fulfill it. If not, we'll find a place for you to fulfill it. So I actually love the name, the brand, you know, this right here, yeah. right? Because that's what everybody wants. Yes. They want to be important. They want to feel important. They And how do you help someone feel important? Well, you can go, oh, you're so great. You're so great. Or you can say, hey, you want to do that? That sounds awesome. We'll help fund it. Go do that. Oh, yeah. we're so excited about this idea. And guess what? Then all of a sudden, you, you, you get excited about doing something that's going to be grand for the company. And you feel like a VIP. When people feel appreciated, accepted, uh, autonomous, they feel yes. like they've got some some ability to go out and make something happen. Like I said, they'll they'll give you the moon. They'll, they will do all sorts of things to prosper that company. When they don't feel like a very important person, in fact, when they feel like a cog in the machine or just mm -hmm. a number, they mail it in. Yeah, you know, and that is so true because whenever I set up my personal brand, because I kind of wanted to set myself away from the noise of all the other recruiters, and I was like one of the first ones to do yeah, that. Good for right. you. And but and everybody was like, well, what's your call to action? I'm like, go visit VIP. Yeah. <laughs> because it was never about me. Yeah, it was sure. it, it was about setting me apart from other recruiters, but everything on my personal website pushes right back to VIP. Yeah. I love it. That's, and I wouldn't do that if I didn't have such faith and confidence that they would do the same for me. I, I love it. So I did a, a speaking gig. Well, I'll give them a shout out, but for the five hundred senior executives and then the people that they you know, handpicked throughout the year. Uh, the company Select Medical, they at that point were 50,000 people. Who knows where they are now? They That's keep, a lot. You know, yeah. So they told me they had a great culture. I'm like, okay, yeah, let's let's see. You know, yeah. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> I'm the culture expert. <laughs> uh, but I'm, I'm standing next to this, uh, this person in line, and she's saying, I love this company. I said, well, what do you, tell me what you love about it. She goes, well, for starters, uh, everybody I know works there. My mom works there. My cousin works there. My my next door neighbor works there. My babysitter works. I'm just going, wait a minute. How did all these people come to work for the company? She goes, because I told them this is a great company. That's that's when you know that 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 people are excited when they're enthusiastic mm -hmm. about pulling other people in. And that just makes your job a lot easier. So funny story about that. When I so, you know, recruiting is not my first gig. Yes. And, <laughs> but my first recruiting gig was with a major national recruiting, one of the, like number two in the nation. 
or in the world. And we had a huge team over there. And so when I left, I, and I'd been there for like five years. And when I left, I started picking off the ones that I really liked to work with. Yeah. And so I brought about five of those over in the last five years. Check you out. <laughs> Only Check my favorites. Out. Yeah, of course. Blake, Alex, by the way. Yeah, sure. And that was an easy decision for you to make. You'd yes. seen them perform. You knew what they were what they were capable of. So yeah, that's, that's a great strategy. <laughs> Companies don't always like that when they're being uh, cherry-picked like that, but they wouldn't be if there was something there exactly. that people were excited about. That is so true. So you, you mentioned earlier about the low engagement. What yeah. do you think is contributing to that and how do we fix it? So I did, I posted something recently or a while back, it was on LinkedIn and I gave a four answer sort of survey. And the survey was basically, what is one thing that would increase your performance exponentially? A better culture, right? Uh, uh, better tools and resources, a different manager. Mm. And the last one was the ability to get work done. Basically, it was stated as autonomy and support, encouragement. Autonomy and encouragement. I thought, you know, culture architect, they're going to come back. But people don't really connect the dots on how culture answers that question. But they came back and said autonomy and encouragement. Mm. 50% of the people that responded. I will give more if I feel like I have a say, if I feel like I'm listened to, if I feel like I'm involved, and that you're coming alongside. Yeah. Like you have been, you know, you've had the company come alongside and said, love this idea, and guess what, you're doing it. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, to me, what really creates that engagement. Invest in me, I'm gonna invest in you. It's the same in any relationship. I mean, think about a, you know, I've been married coming up on seven years. My wife's amazing. You know, oh, you've met her. I have met Elise. <laughs> First thing I walked amazing. in and, you know, everybody's going, well, where's Elise? And she's not with me. Well, go home then. Want you. <laughs> I think Bill literally <laughs> yeah, told yeah, you yeah, to yeah, leave. Yeah, he did. He's like, we'll leave. <laughs> I'm like, well, Casey may not like that very much. But if it's not a mutual deal, if that's a complete one-way street, one of us is not going to be around very long, right? It's got to be a a, 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 a a mutual feeding into each other, and companies forget that. Yeah, I've had people say, "Well, you get a paycheck, don't they? That should be enough." It's not enough. It's not enough. It is not enough. Money is not. I mean, that's the baseline. That's just the base expectation. Yeah. You know, if you said, hey, will you do the podcast? And I said, well, yeah, I'm I'm interested. And you said, well, we have chairs. I would be like. Great. Okay. You know, we have cameras. <laughs> I'd be going, oh, well, uh, I would assume all that. Right? That's money. Yeah. So it's got to be more than that. It's, hey, it's at the great Real News PR Studios, which is really, you know, this is a spectacular studio. It is. And they have <laughs> snacks. <laughs> and they have snacks. They have so many snacks. I keep grazing when I'm coming through so on, the, on the, you know, cashews and all this yeah. stuff. I'll grab one. But yeah, it's, it's a great environment. Mm -hmm. And with culture, People will get this. You can walk into a store or a place and feel it. It's palpable. When you walk into a store and everybody's running around chaotically or everybody looks depressed or upset or angry, they've had a bad day, or when you get to the register and they complain about that, yes. you know, how's it going? Ah, oh, I get off in an hour, you know, then you know it's a terrible culture. When people are vivacious and brilliant and excited and you can just feel the air there, that's a whole different. Uh, that's a whole different space. 
you know, and, and to your point, like even when you walk into the studios, you feel the culture that Jeff Curley's created here. Yeah. You know, he always, and I love, and I've totally plagiarized this. He calls it his, thank God it's Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. okay. I'm stealing that. See? Isn't it good? I do that from stage all the time. So I, I mimic, I say, I'm going to do two things and you tell me if it's Monday or Tuesday. And of course the first one is, and then the other one's, and Everybody knows. They go, oh, that's Friday. The other one's Monday. Yeah. But I love it. Thank God it's Monday. Isn't that great? That's what happens when people are excited to be Exactly. Here. And that is truly how I feel when I go to work oh, on Mondays. Because it's like, I can't wait to get back. We literally walk in the office and hug each other. Yeah. I love it. Because we love, it's, we're a family. Casey, think about the ripple effect. When that's the case, guess what? You go meet your friends, you've got family, you get together with people, you bring that same energy. When that's not the case, you hate what you do. You can't wait for Friday and it's Wednesday and you're just trudging through. You bring that energy in as well. Yeah. And the ripple effect of the impact on that family member, that person, that friend that then spreads to the next person they encounter, uh, it's a sickness. It's a, it's contagious. Uh, you know, my buddy called it... Uh, or I heard somebody call it um, mood poisoning. There's a oh, lot of mood poisoning. I'm gonna steal going steal that. Yeah, steal it, steal away. You know, what do they say? Creativity is remembering what you heard, but forgetting where you heard it from. We'll just forgive each other yeah. for all the stealing ah, today. No, there's no stealing. It's just sharing. 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 We're sharing. Yeah. Sharing is caring. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I wanna ask you out of all your speaking engagements, what is one message you want everyone to hear? I, I, I want people to understand that whatever they're dealing with, what, no matter how great they are, let's say if they're, they don't have a great culture, it can, it's fixable, it can be better. If they've got a really great culture, that can even advance and be better than that. My core message is obviously filters around this owner. I mean, that's my Wall Street Journal, USA Today bestseller, you know, a yeah, company of owners. Right and that book is... Hit a chord because what executive doesn't want a company where everybody acts like an owner? Yeah, how do we get that? And when you act like an owner, you get on the radar and you get the attention. And next thing you know, you're being elevated. Those things are happening. Yeah. We were talking, Bill just inspired a new book idea. But <laughs> I, I perform where you are. We were just I talking that. about that as a concept, right? So I, I want people to feel empowered to go be their best self at work. And I want companies to be empowered to help people be their best self at work. And if I can do that, I feel like I change a generation and that's enough for me. That's a lot. And I do feel like you can change a generation. And so I want to talk about your book for just a second. So a company of owners, I have my own autographed copy. Thank you very much. And you actually autographed one for our managing partner, Mike Haynes too. So yeah. I appreciate that. But you know, what inspired you to write this book and what can people learn from it? Okay. So the first part's easy. I was uh, in, I, I had a 10 year running contract with a $20 billion oil and gas company. I was working with everything from the C-suite to the people closest to the valve, as I say. So I got a great cross section of the company and I stopped him in the hallway one day and I said, Dave, you need to fire your employees. And he looked at me, he was like, Darren, what are you talking about? <laughs> I can't fire my employees. I said, fire them all. And he's like, you've gone insane. Right. I said, you don't want employees. You want people who act like owners. 
bang, little light bulb went off over his head. He, and he said, hey, can you come talk about that at our next big manager meeting or, or, or select all our you know, top leadership? And I did, and then I did that, and then that caught fire, and then I did. And finally, one day I said, well, these ideas bouncing around, I ought to put them in a book, which yeah. I did. So um, the core message of the book is that people, when people feel empowered and are actually empowered, they perform. And the flip side of that is when you perform and you act like an owner, guess what? You get noticed. Yep. Uh, what's the old uh, thing about if you are great at your craft and you really excel, you will perform before kings or you'll be invited you know, before, yes, yes. before royalty because people recognize that. And don't let the job tell you how high you're supposed to be able to go. Don't let anybody else do that. You do that. You've got to decide that for yourself. And from a company standpoint, don't put people in that trap. You know, there's a, this, is, this is proven. You take a, a flea and you put them in a jar and you block them at only 14 inches and they can jump much higher. When you take that jar lid off after, you know, five, six, whatever days, they will never, ever jump higher than 14 inches again. Really? Because they've been conditioned. That's as high as I can go. And unfortunately, our culture does that to people. Companies do that to people. And I'm saying, let's break out of that. Yeah. We weren't created for that. We're created to go much higher. And so let's, uh, let's create a world where that happens. I love that. I just made a snap decision. Okay. Snap I am, decision. I'm not going to ask you all of our VIP questions today because I'm going to ask you some very different ones based on some conversations that we had. Don't be scared. I'm scared. You I'm scared. The, you have that look on your face like, oh, no. No. Okay. First of all, trivia. What was the only movie that was filmed in the Stanley, the hotel? <laughs> I don't know why I wore my Stanley Hotel <laughs> shirt. Actually, funny story about this shirt. This was staff only. I did not like the shirts they had in the gift shop, but I wanted a shirt, and I saw the ones the staff had. My wife talked to the GM and said, hey, it's his birthday. Can he please? You know, and he promises <laughs> never to wear in the hotel. Nobody's going to think he works here. Anyway, they sent me one. It was a, it was a thank you, Stanley Hotel. <laughs> the Stanley Hotel is where uh, Stephen King, true story, was inspired to write The Shining. He wrote it. When Kubert came to make the movie, he looked at it and said, uh, now we're going to shoot the outside, but we're going to go film all the exterior in some place. I, it was Iowa, Idaho, one of the eyes. Sorry, don't mean to be <laughs> offensive to people from Iowa, Idaho. But, um, and rest of the story, Stephen King hated it, came back and did a television series about it, and he actually filmed it there. But the trivia question is, what famous movie was filmed in the Stanley Hotel? Everybody that I've ever asked will say The Shining. I, I said not, The Shining when we talked about it earlier. Nope. It was Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> you remember the staircase scene where they're coming down with all the frills? Yes, and, you yes. know, Jim Carrey is standing on the, you know, deal and going to the bar. That's all the Stanley. That is crazy. Yeah. Okay, my next question. How did you meet your wife? So I, uh, D Magazine reached out to me and they said, we, we want you to be the subscriber of the month. Okay. For September. And so I was honored and I thought, oh, well, that's cool. You'll be in the magazine. We're going to do this little piece on you and so forth. Well, you need to come in for a photo shoot. I get off the elevator at D Magazine and there sat this incredible person 
that was behind the desk and she knew me. She was like, you're Darren Martin. And I went, oh, because she had done her research. Yeah. We were talking about that here, Exactly. Right? So uh, she knew me. She started showing me around. I asked questions about her. She, she had grown up overseas. I had grown up overseas. We had a lot. Anyway, a month later, there was other things need to get out of the way. We started dating. And then four months later, we were married. So Whoa, and we're coming up on piece. seven years. That's amazing. Yeah. And I heard a rumor. Oh no. That uh, Bill Wallace's number is on your fridge because he told her if she ever got mad at you, she was supposed to call him. Bill at my <laughs> wedding, which was in our condo, uh -huh. we got married December 22nd and we were supposed to have like 10 people. Well, the list kept growing and Elise was, dude, we've got 80 people coming here tonight, whatever. And then we we broadcast on Facebook. You can still watch it today on Facebook. Oh, I'm going to go check that out. And uh, But Bill hands her his card and said, if he ever gives you a hard time, messes with you, whatever. And she didn't know this guy really from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You call me. She she has kept that card. Fortunately, she's, <laughs> she's come close, but she's never had to use it. Thank goodness. I can't imagine. Friends she like is, that. Who needs enemies? Right? right? Yeah. She is so super sweet. Okay. So I am going to ask you one of our VIP questions because I'm very curious about this. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? So I used to start my day by worrying. Okay. I would wake up. I come by it honestly. I come from a long line of warriors and I would wake up and be thinking about, oh man, we got to take care of it. Ooh. And what if this thing doesn't happen? Or what if that? And finally I decided that was nonsense because I've been in a re... We write our own software. And mm -hmm. if you're going to write your own software, it better be software that's empowering and supportive. So now I lay in bed and I tell myself things like, this is an incredible day and everything's always working out for us. And I quote the Rumi quote, the universe is conspiring in our favor. Oh, right. So and I go through this little litany. Hey, I, when we knock the doors open, you know, we ask, we receive and let's go crush this. And it just starts me off in a completely different mindset from what I used to wake up to. And I can't say enough about those few precious moments. When you first get up, if you drag around, it's different, jump out of bed, get big, get excited, you know, like, wow. And I know it sounds cheesy to people, but try it for a few weeks and you'll be amazed at the results. I tell people to high five themselves yeah. in the mirror because that's what yes. uh, Mel Robbins talks about yeah. is the high five habit. Yeah. And it, and I tell you, it sounds so corny, but our brain does not know yeah. that somebody's not high fiving us. Yeah. Just like the brain doesn't know if you're not laughing for real or not. When I decided I, I was going to change my life for the better, uh, one of the things I did was go see Tony Robbins. Okay. Because it was like, got to start there. And he had a whole thing he did that I used to do every morning, which was now I am the voice. I will lead, not follow. I will create, not doubt. I will believe, uh, or I believe, not doubt. Goes on and on. You know, I'm a leader. I'm a this, I'm a that. Uh, set a new standard. Step up, step up, step up. And there's a lot of power in that. There's so much power. Yeah. I have about 15 affirmations that I do each morning. And I make sure that they're across all the different sections of my life. So friends, family, work, you know, finance, uh, all of those. I have a, at least one affirmation for each of those areas. They are extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. It's on my list. I've got a book called Mind Tattoos, which is just all, you know, affirmations, incantations, you know, inspirational say, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and they really do have value. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Words have power. Mm. So how do people find you? 
Well, I could give you my home address, but that would be a little <laughs> creepy, okay, if you show up there. But uh, Although I heard it's a beautiful I, place yeah, in New Orleans. Yeah, it's a 120-year-old house. We love it. So uh, really easy if you spell my name right. D-A-R, one R, and an E, Darren Martin. Uh, my email is Darren at DarrenMartin.com. My website is obviously DarrenMartin.com. Then I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, you know, uh, TikTok, uh, Tinder. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was actually going to say shame about TikTok, but I think that, I'll save it that, for the that, Tinder. That's always really funny when I'm speaking and my wife's in the back of the room and she's like, okay, yeah, right. yeah really. But no, I'm not on Tinder. But any of those, you know, but reach out to me. That's my email. Yeah. That's my direct to me email, Darren at DarrenMartin.com. I'd love to hear from you. I love that so much. Thank yeah. you so much for making the trip here in person. It's so much better. There's so much more energy in the room when you're amazing. in person. Yeah. You're I'm amazing. glad we were able to do this I in person. Too. It is always so much more fun. I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay. You are a VIP. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Well, I feel like a VIP and it takes one to know one. So I'm going to put that right back at you. So thank, thank you. you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.